Hello, fellow dog-powered sports enthusiasts. This is Chelsea Murray, and you are listening to Positively Dog-Powered, a podcast that dives deep into the real world of positive reinforcement training and dog-powered sports. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Positively Dog-Powered. Today's episode is a little bit different. So as you guys know, over the course of the last year, we've had on a variety of guests, professional dog trainers who enjoy dog-powered sports, as well as professional mushers. And through all of this, there are some pretty crazy stories of what we can encounter either driving to a race or heading out for a quick training run. Sometimes things do not go as planned, and we're always left with a little bit of a lesson learned. And if we're fortunate enough, everybody stays safe. So today, we're going to share some tales from the trails, and we're going to go through several of our guests that we've had and see how they have experienced some pretty crazy things out on the trail. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you guys of our Patreon account. If you head over to patreon.com forward slash positively dog powered, you can join our community where you get access to special episode info, some early access to content, behind the scenes, and more. And we occasionally have some Q&As and fun additional classes like a fitness class that we just had. So if you're interested in 2 to $3 a month, head over and join us there. To get us started, I figured that I would share the craziest thing that's happened to us out on the trail. And this one's a little unique. It wasn't just involving our dog-powered sports. My husband and I really like to spend our weekends doing these kind of off-the-grid adventures. We'll pack a picnic and bring maybe bikes, dogs, boats, whatever the weather will allow us to, and we head out and explore somewhere new. So... Early spring, it was cold enough in the morning in the mountains where we could still hit the trails for some canny hiking and can across, and warm enough in the afternoon that we could head out paddleboarding. So we check our maps, find a new location. Our canny hike is pretty uneventful. Normal early morning, first ones on the trail. Saw some really pretty new sites that we hadn't seen before up in the North Georgia uh, and North Carolina mountains. So that was pretty great. And then we headed over to our lake where we were going paddling. Now this lake is a little off the grid. There's only two ways you can access it. Both are pretty long gravel service forest roads. And normally that's not a huge issue. Uh, These roads were a little precarious, I will say. Pretty skinny and pretty daunting when you approached another vehicle heading the opposite way. Fortunately, we didn't do that too often because it was actually pretty quiet there. So we pump up our paddle boards and get out on the water with the dogs. They're nice and tired because we had already done a little activity. And normally when we go on these adventures, like I mentioned, we bring a lot of extra stuff. You know, we bring a picnic, we bring extra water, fans. We're usually pretty prepared when we go on these adventures. And along with planning this, of course, we look at the weather. And there wasn't anything that we were expecting to experience. But of course, this is Tales from the Trail, so something went wrong. So we're out there paddling, and all of a sudden, it starts to get a little windy. And we look up, 
And it's hard to see because this lake was surrounded by mountains, but the sky started looking a little darker. And all of a sudden we heard thunder and then the wind picked up even more. And at this point, we're still at least a mile away from where we put the boards in. So we start paddling as fast as we possibly can. I kid you not, I felt like I was going to throw up. <laughs> My heart rate was so high. We were paddling so hard. Thank goodness the dogs were fantastic and thought we were just, you know, going at a higher speed. So by the time we finally get back, and it felt like forever, I'm sure it did not take us that long, but it was over a mile. We quickly deflate the boards. The dogs go in their kennels pretty wet in the back of the car. I mean, we are just throwing everything we possibly can get into the car as fast as possible because this storm is upon us. I mean, it is going to hit us any second. And the last thing we want to happen is for us to be stranded. You know, we want to get off this service forest road before the storm really hits. So we're just throwing everything wet, not packed together into the car. We get it all in, we start the car, we pull out, and we start our trek back up this service forest road, which I've been on a lot of them, and this, this one is not in particularly good shape. So we're driving up, and it starts pouring. I mean, like you probably couldn't see more than 10 feet in front of you. The rain was coming down so hard. And of course, because this service forest road is not in good shape, the road started washing out from underneath our tires. So we are on a really, really steep graded hill. They uh, recommended four-wheeled vehicles, uh, all-wheel drive in on this road. So we are on a really steep uphill where we're going to go up and turn right. So our we start to turn the wheel to the right. The road washes out from underneath us and in front of us, and the vehicle starts sliding not only backwards, but to the left because we were turning to go up and to the right. So our car is sliding and this, I mean, there's like a cliff to the left of us. It's wooded, so we would have hit a tree, but our car started sliding off the side of the road to the point where the car would not move. The car was stuck, and you could definitely feel it, uh, that it was not balanced. So it, it was kind of swaying a little bit. We bailed out of the car as fast as we possibly could. Um, my husband was driving and when he jumped out of the driver's seat, he fell about four feet until he hit ground. I mean, we, the vehicle was not on the road. I ran to the back, uh, put the bike, pulled the bike rack down, got both dogs, you know, out of their car crates on leash. And it is still, I mean, torrentially raining. So we bail from the car. Only one wheel of the car was still on the road, the front right. No idea how the car stayed where it was. Uh, It's a miracle that it did and that we got out. So we get out of the car and we're trying to figure out what to do because not only is it pouring down rain, but we don't have cell service because we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. So in a lightning storm with torrential downpour, we hike Um, And of course, you know, at this point we were paddling. So we had on uh, like Chacos or Tevas, which you're not really intended to hike like that. Um, So we have bloody feet by the time we hike 10 miles to get to the point where we have cell service. 
But of course, we pull our phones out and our phones aren't working because they have been exposed to a ton of water. And somebody passed us and stopped and asked if we needed help. And we were able to borrow their phone. But then, of course, we couldn't read our GEICO policy number because our wallets that we had were completely soaked and the ink was bleeding. So we couldn't figure out how to get a tow truck to us. Thank goodness we eventually did. Um, We had to walk another four miles from that point, so this is 14 total now, to the first paved road where they were sending the truck to us. So fast forward, uh, you know, 30 minutes and the storm stops. We're drenched, sitting on the side of the road with the dogs, and thank goodness the dogs did okay in that storm. You know, we kept moving, um, and and they, they stayed pretty focused on the job, which I was really grateful for. I was a little worried that they... We're going to be as stressed out as I was about the thunder and lightning. But the truck comes and they were able to um, tow our car out of uh, the cliff area back to where we were. And everybody was, you know, physically okay. Um, We drove back home and kind of had a chill evening in. And it was uh, definitely an experience that left me with some PTSD. Um, I still have trouble <laughs> driving on service roads, especially ones that are uh, not in great shape or super steep or super skinny. But I will say that it has changed how we do some of our adventures. We did actually uh, change out our car for a four-wheel drive SUV. Even though it's not as great uh, with gas mileage, it makes us feel more comfortable when we go out on these adventures. We've laminated our car um Uh, towing cards and insurance cards so that even if they get wet it'll be easy for us to read them and we if there's going to be any chance of you know rain or storms we either don't go out on the water or we will pack along you know raincoats or something like that if we need to Um, so it's I mean it's definitely not perfect we still have a lot to learn Um, our goal is to get a satellite phone within the next six months so we'll have that in our security kit as well but it certainly could have been a lot worse I am glad that everybody stayed safe Uh, but it is hands down the scariest and kind of craziest thing that's happened to us while we're out on our adventures And with that, I can feel my heart racing, remembering that moment in detail. And now I'm going to hand it over to some of our guests that shared their stories. First up, we have Robert Forto, who was on our podcast talking about building teams um, with his wife in Alaska and his dreams to maybe someday run the Iditarod. But he shared a story of one of his training runs while he was out with his dogs. Let's take a listen. I have a whole bunch of stories, but I will tell the story that I typically tell our new mushing students. So we have right out of our yard, one of the main reasons of moving to this place in Alaska was our trail access. And we have probably 200 miles of trails behind our house. You could literally uh, cross over a river and go to Nome right from our, our house. And with that, yeah, it is awesome. With that, we have a heck of a lot of uh, pretty secluded area. Uh, within probably a mile from here, you're you're deep into the wilderness. And I remember one time I was out, and, and it was a very high snow year, probably six or seven feet at the time, late winter. And I had my 
that dog team out. It was it was about dusk, so about uh, four o'clock, five o'clock at night in the winter. And I was cruising along, and we were probably going, you know, 10, 12, 13 miles an hour. I had a team of about 14 or 16, 14 or 15 dogs. And the snow berms were about as high as, as the top of a sled, so four or five feet tall. And as we turned a corner, I saw immediately all of our dog's ears go back. And I knew something was happening around this corner. And I will never forget it. But right out of the corner of my eye, I saw a huge moose coming up. And without hesitation, he just sort of jumped over my team and kept on running, kind of a, almost in that, uh, you know, Santa's reindeer look. Oh, my he gosh. Just, he just kind of jumped over, and uh, I just remember watching him jump over and looking to the, to the right of me as he did that. And, uh, and I'll, I'll never forget that. I've had some bad encounters with moose in, in my days, but that was just one of those things where everything was sort of there at that right time where uh, that encounter worked out well, but it, it, it uh, definitely uh, uh, left a little bit of a fear in, in my heart as he did that for sure. I bet it made you a little more aware of your surroundings to, yeah. to always be looking out for wildlife. Yeah, you can't always have the music blasting. You have to be aware, at least sometimes. Yeah. Now, question for you. how What is the appropriate thing to do when you see moose on the trail? Because I know that depending on time of year, if they're if they have offspring, they can be a little aggressive. What what should you do if you happen to encounter moose on the trail? I've had so many so many times, and typically the males are, are a little bit more feisty than the females, unless you said uh, they have um, have their offspring, which which uh, can be really a problem. But uh, we typically will see them much further down the trail, so we will, you know, we'll set our hooks and we'll stop, and we give them a wide berth. We do not. Uh, we not get we do not get close and there are stories out there where where uh, where a moose will just come in and trample a team and you know it's it's a it's a bad thing and it can happen real quick uh some people carry guns i don't typically carry anything like that uh and uh we, i'm not afraid of of making noise out on the trail either you know i i don't do a lot of talking to my dogs like a lot of people do cuz they the dogs tend tend to tune that out but if you're making noise on the trail and and uh, making sure that uh, your um, presence is known, typically you'll have better encounters than not. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you for that story and thank you for the tips. Appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Thank you. Phew. All right. Well, I certainly have encountered moose while hiking at a very far distance. I hope that I don't have to encounter any while I'm on a sled with my team. I'm glad everything turned out okay for Robert in that situation because I know that sometimes that isn't always the case. In our next Tales from the Trail story, we bring back our musher from a recent episode, Lori Meyer. She was on our podcast episode talking about fitness for us as the human so that we can be better teammates for our dogs. She shares a crazy story. I'm glad that in the end everything turned out okay, but this will be a harrowing one to listen to. I'm short. Um, uh, I'm short. I'm all of about 110 pounds, you know, if I've really got some decent muscle mass on me. I mean, I'm not a big person. So one of the things that's always been a little daunting to me is um, being able to keep the dogs safe during any any run, training runs, anything. 
Um, and I, um, you know, I've, I've worked a lot on strengthening of my upper body and things like that to try to prevent any possibility where the dogs would get into a situation that I wasn't able to handle, that I wasn't able to control. Um, so it was kind of like, like a big, you know, kind of like a prideful thing. It's, you know, I've been, you know, training, training dogs for a long time. We've been working with Jeff and Jen for a really long time. Um, you know, and we've been using the ATVs to, to train the teams up in the early fall. And most of the time we had long strings of dogs, you know, like, like a 10 dog team, um, hooked to an ATV and it was like a normal thing. Um, my work schedule wasn't, um, real conducive to, um, to getting me out like in the daylight for, for a training run. So we started training at night and I started investing in all these like high powered, like headlamps <laughs> and things so that I could see the trail because I was all freaked out because I couldn't, you know, I, it, was, it was dark outside and I wanted to see any possibility for like any critters, deer, anything that could go wrong. Um, I was just, you know, I'm going to prevent everything. So um, one thing, the biggest thing I learned that, that night was that you cannot prevent all the bad things from happening. It doesn't happen. Um, but I was out, um, we were out one night, um, it was uh, late October with um, a 10 dog team um, on my ATV. And we had a young girl that was training with us at the time. Um, and she was kind of learning how to do learning how to like run the dogs and um you know my training partner there was another um young man that was that usually trained with us on this property but it was you know it was it's the same property we've been training on for decades so the dogs know the trail really well you know it's you know it wasn't really any big deal we weren't going fast um but i happened to come around the corner of a cornfield and I saw the girl that had, um, that was, that was training. She was out with a team of dogs and she had half of her team in a ditch. And I had, um, I'd stopped my team and I'm like, you need help. <laughs> and, um, I told her, I, I said, I said, get back on the ATV, get ready to steer it. I said, I'm going to go down the ditch and pull your leaders out. Cause what had happened, there was a couple of deer, I guess, that had shot out of the cornfield and shot right across the, the trail and down across the road. So her leaders were like, what? You know, went for the deer. <laughs> and um, so I went down the ditch and I pulled her team out. Um, you know, we spent a little bit of time reconfiguring things because there were some tangles there. And, you know, we had to get the dogs situated and set up. And, and um, we had a little trouble getting them going again because everybody wanted to, like, go back and chase the deer and, you know, there was another dog that was on the team that was a little like, I don't know what we're doing right now. So he was a little freaked out. And, um, you know, and my team was like, what's going on? Because, <laughs> you know, we're stuck here. And it was just, it was this crazy night. But um, we got her going again. And I told her, I said, I said just, you know, take, take the team, just let them walk. Just as long as they're moving forward, just, just keep them moving forward. I don't care. Don't worry about speed. Don't worry about distance. Just, just let them go down the trail. Let them kind of, you know, get the, get the crazies out of them and um, settle in. And I went and grabbed, I went back to my team and uh, got on my ATV and started going in the opposite direction because that was the way we were originally going. And um, I could see her headlamp, like her lights of her ATV kind of make it around the corner of the cornfield. I'm like, okay, she's moving. I'm like, all right, get my team going. We go around the opposite corner and I happened to see a dog um, that uh, had broken his neckline. 
And um, it wasn't a, um, it wasn't like one of our usual sled dogs. It was actually one of her family's dogs um, that she would bring in for early training. And, um, and I'm looking at him and I'm like, well, I just let him run like that for a little bit. Um, because I know, you know, it's, you know, a lot of people run without necklines on their dog team. And as long as they're pulling, they're fine. But he was starting to veer out to the side a little bit. And I'm like, no, I am, you know, I'm not, I don't want him to get hooked. I don't want him to get hooked around anything, any trees. You know, I knew we were going back into the woods shortly. So I'm just, I'm going to stop 10 seconds. It's going to take me 10 seconds to get off this ATV, slap a new neckline on that line and get back on the ATV. So me in my gross overconfidence, put the parking brake on the ATV, didn't Velcro down the brakes. Cause you know, it's a 10 second fix. Guess what took the dogs five seconds, five seconds to pop that parking brake. Oh no. So now this machine's coming at me. They're like the team is passing and I'm running back to the machine. It's coming at me. And um, in about the three seconds it took, I became very aware of two things. One was that I had stopped the team on an off-cambered section of trail on a downhill. And the other was that I was down the off-cambered off section of trail. So this machine is coming at me, not just, not just the dogs coming past me, but the machine is coming at me. So I'm running up, I grab the handlebar with the, with the little brake lever right there to stop it. And again, within that split second, I'm able to spin my right leg out of the way. Couldn't get the left leg out of the way fast enough. So I went, um, the next thing I knew, I was actually underneath the machine, still holding onto the handlebar. <laughs> so I've got one hand holding onto this handlebar. I'm underneath the machine. And I don't quite know how I got out, but the next, I, I was just, I was out from underneath that machine within seconds. And I'm like holding onto the bar, holding onto the brakes. And, um, and, and I, you know, my leg hurts. I can't quite figure out why. I just kind of climb on the machine and the dog started moving and I'm trying to figure out like what's wrong here. Cause I know there's something wrong with my legs. So I stop them again. And, um, I've got my, you know, I'm standing on the, on the pedal of the right of the, of the, um, ATV with my right foot. And I go to put my left foot down, uh, down on the ground because something doesn't feel right. And there's no ground. Like there's no ground. I mean, I'm looking at my foot on the ground. I cannot feel anything. And I was like, oh God, oh God. And I actually, and it's, I, I had a lot of choice words I won't repeat right now for your listeners, but you know, you can imagine, you can imagine. Um, and I, um, I went to swing my, my left leg over the machine to just climb back on it. Cause all I'm thinking is just get the dogs in, just get the dogs in. I don't care. And I'm like, why can't I, I can't move my leg. I'm like, I can't move it. I look down and I have actually got my left toe hooked on the luggage rack. My knee is pointing in the, in the opposite direction and my foot is pointing backward. Oh no. <laughs> I, I, I think my eyes probably bulged out of my head. I grabbed my foot, I grabbed my shoe and threw the leg over the side of the ATV. 
And now I know something's really wrong. Like something is really wrong with wrong in, in with my leg. And I'm thinking these, I've got all these crazy thoughts going through my head. And one of which was this story. If anybody has ever heard the story of Gary Ettinger, um, the day he had his leg cut off while he was out, um, while he was out falling trees, this is what's going on in my head. <laughs> and I'm feeling down my leg trying to see like, is it attached? Is it there? Because I know I saw it. And um, so now I'm just, uh, I'm just like, just get the dogs back. Get the dogs back. I am in an absolute panic. Before and all I, that adrenaline wears off and you start uh, feeling that. Well, that's what's so crazy. I mean, it's like, I knew I was in pain. I don't remember a lot of the pain. Yeah. But, but the dogs are going down the trail and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I can't, I can't run the risk of them getting tangled. I can't run the risk of them going off into the woods. I can't run the risk of anything going wrong on this run because I have got to get them back to that trailhead, back to the truck where my cell phone is because I'm an overconfident idiot. I don't bring my cell phone with me when I go on training runs. Guess what I always do now? Bring your cell phone. Um, <laughs> never leave without my cell phone. <laughs> So I, so we're going down the trail and I'm like trying to talk myself off the cliff. I'm praying to God, uh, you know, all this going through my head and I'm just, and I'm like absolutely silent. Like I don't dare say a word because all I want are those dogs to just run that trail and go back to the trailhead. Um, so when they finally made the turn to go back to the trailhead, I'm like, okay, okay, we're going in, we're going in, just get to the truck tie off the leaders and grab my cell phone because that's all I want to do. We get up and there's no truck. Truck is gone. Truck is gone because the girl that was training with us had a mate had another problem out on the trail and it called for help. Why? Because she's smart and she brings her cell phone. <laughs> so now I'm up there. I have no cell phone. I have a, my, my left leg is broken in half. And um, the only thing I can think of is just grab my leaders and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna use my body as an anchor. So, so I go to, I go to turn the machine off and I'm like, no, not, I'm gonna Velcro the brakes down. <laughs> I put the machine in reverse <laughs> and then crank the handlebars so that it was pointing into a tree. And I grabbed a, um, I grabbed a leash out of the bucket on the ATV because um, I always, you know, I, again, I like, big safety person. I'm always traveling with like all this crazy extra stuff. God forbid anything would ever go wrong. You know, I'm trying to prevent anything from going wrong. Not thinking that, you know, you could break your leg on the trail one night <laughs> and not be able to call for help. So I grab the leash. I crawl out three-legged out to my leaders and hook the leash onto the leaders. And I just sat there on the ground. And now I'm thinking to myself, am I going to pass out? Am yeah. I going to go in? You know, I don't know. You know, I know I'm not, I know I'm not bleeding because I can tell by my headlamp that there's no blood on my clothes. Um, so then I, um, so I sat there for a little while and I thought, well, maybe the caretaker of the property is, you know, outside, you know, I don't know if my, I don't know if he smokes or not, you know, maybe he's out having a cigarette or something. Maybe somebody's out having a cigarette. And so I started trying to call for help. And um, when that didn't really work out, um, I tried a couple times to call for help, and um, but when I would, the dogs were starting to freak out. 
So then I was like, okay, we can't, I can't call for help anymore. I gotta, I gotta just sit here and wait. Cause they knew they're coming back. I mean, the girl was coming back with the other team. You know, my racing partner was coming back with the truck. Um, you know, I knew that, you know, this is gonna, you know, this is gonna get resolved at some point in time, but what I need to do is not go into shock. Right. Because if that happens, the dogs can go off, they can get tangled, somebody can get hurt. So I've got my left leg hooked up on my right leg because it's the only comfortable position I can stand. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm like sitting there and um, starting to see the stars, starting to feel, you know, my body start to shake. All right, lay down, pick the legs up, (laughs) hold them up in the air for like a minute. I think that was about all I could stand put my legs back down, sit back up. Okay. I feel a little bit better. And I just went through this little routine for like the next few minutes, trying to just make, you know, trying to keep myself awake and, um, and not let the dogs get tangled. So, um, finally, you know, the girl that was training with us, she came back with her team and, um, and she's like, Oh, you know, I, you know, I had to, I had to call, you know, we had an issue with one of the dogs and I'm like, okay, I said, you have your cell phone? She said, yes. I said, okay, I need you to secure your team and give me your cell phone. She's like, why? And I said, I need you to just secure your team and give me your cell phone. And she comes over and she sees me sitting there on the ground with this leash hanging onto my leaders. And I just looked at her and I said, I broke my leg in half. I need you to give me your cell phone so that I can, you know, call an ambulance. So she runs, you know, grabs her cell phone, brings it back. I get on, uh, I get on with 911 with the dispatch. And, um, and I, and I can feel the star, you know, I can see the stars starting to set in. I can feel myself starting to shake again. And, um, I, I said to the dispatch, I'm like, just write this down right now. And I read the address out like immediately. And and she's like, well, ma'am, what is your emergency? I said, no, I said, I need you to write this down right now. Right. Okay. She's like, what's your emergency? I said, I broke my leg in half. I said, I'm in a, I'm like in between cornfields on private property um, with a team of dogs. And she's like, okay, you know, we have, you know, we have the uh, GPS, like they located me on the, um, on the satellite. She said, um, she's like, we're sending out, you know, police and, you know, ambulance should be there shortly, blah, 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 blah. So she stays on the phone with me until the, um, until the police officer gets there and police officer comes out, identifies me, you know, I get off the phone with 911 and he's like, what are you doing out here with all these dogs? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, we're training, you know, we're training sled dogs and this and that. And he's like, so how did this happen? I said, oh, you know, I broke my leg. I said, I pretty much ran over, you know, got run over by the ATV. And, um, and he's like, oh, okay. Well, you know, this, you know, my racing partner comes back with a truck and he's like, he's like, what happened? <laughs> I'm like, I broke my leg. And uh, they're sending an ambulance and the ambulance comes down and the guys come out and, um, and the guys are like, oh, you know, they identify me and this and that and the other and guys are like, what are you doing out here with all these dogs? <laughs> God, we're training sled dogs. Blah, 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 blah. So how does this happen again? Well, I know I got to tell them how it happened again. And, um, and it's funny because, you know, they sit there and talk to you and they ask you all these questions. And it slowly occurred to me that I think they're trying to keep me like, like, like make sure I'm oriented, like person, place and time, you know, like there isn't like some other problem or trying to keep me awake or something like that, because they keep asking me these same questions. And, and I'm like, what the heck? And 
Um, but it was, yeah, that was, that was the story of, um, that was the long winded story, you know, that, that follows as to, you know, how I learned so much about like how to train my body from an injury. <laughs> yeah. Cause I bet the recovery from that was pretty intense too. It, you know, lucky for me, there was no joint involvement. So my ankle was okay. All my muscles, my tendons, my ligaments were all okay. Um, they did have to go through my knee to put the rod because what they do is they hammer a rod through the center of the tibia and they just basically line up the two bones, hammer the rod through. So it approximates the two bones and keeps them together while they heal. And um, the fibula, when they do that, most of the time, the soft tissue around that fibula just pu pulls those two bones back in, line, in alignment and, um, and they just let it heal. Um, so it really was just, you know, some period of time on crutches, period of time in a walking boot, um, and just doing my own rehab for making sure that my D doesn't stiffen up and my ankle didn't stiffen up and, you know, that all my muscles were working, but, um, it was mostly just a lot of healing time. And I think that was a, a big reason why I was able to hit the, uh, three bears race in Land O'Lakes, uh, four months after breaking my leg. And, you know, folded over on my sled because I can't squat. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my tail from the trail. <laughs> Man, I, I bet that's going to be a contender for first place here. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, it's funny because I remember talking to my husband afterwards and I'm like, man, you know, if I ever thought that I couldn't handle anything on the trail, now I know I can't because I ran 10 dogs with a broken leg back to the trailhead and at least managed to keep our composure until, you know, until uh, help arrived. And, um, you know, it was a big confidence booster as much as it is still a little, a little post-traumatic stress sometimes running the teams at night. You know, I, I have to admit even so many years afterwards and so many times that I've been doing it, I'm still a little, you know, come around that corner, that cornfield, I'm still a little like, eh. you know, let's, let's, let's be careful. Let's yeah. be slow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, totally understandable. Big accidents like that definitely leave an impact emotionally that you also have to recover from, not just physical. Right. Whew. All right. Well, I'm glad that ultimately in the end, all the dogs were okay and she was okay after getting some medical help. And back at races only four months later, I'd say that's pretty impressive. And it certainly sparked a passion in her to keep herself in shape physically as she started her rehab journey and continued her fitness journey. So we're going to leave you guys on a little bit more of a peaceful note with one more tale from the trail. And this one comes from our episode where we talked about packing for travel with our dogs, with Christy and Hannah. Christy shares a little bit about her life. She has traveled across the country quite a bit with her husband and her dogs. And she shares a little bit about one of her stops. Let's take a listen. You know, honestly, probably some of my favorite things are Either single single track riding with Sadie when I don't fall off bridges. Don't recommend. Don't do. Um, but also ski touring in the Met Valley. Yeah, yeah, that's probably one of my favorite favorite trips ever. We only had Rhaegar then. He was he was young and we had such a wonderful time. And the the trails there, they allow dogs on a lot of them, and it's just spectacular. And I I encourage anybody who has the opportunity to go out and 
cross country ski and then really investigate the Methow Valley of Washington. It's in Eastern Washington. It's incredibly dog friendly. It's beautiful. They also have trails, groom trails for fat biking now. Um, I didn't own a fat bike then. Wish you did, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really even know what a fat bike was then, <laughs> which is funny. But the skiing is spectacular. It's just spectacular. And the cascades are there. It's it's just beautiful. And that's my favorite vacation. And we had lots of crazy things happen on that one. But Were you ski, were you ski drawing or just cross-country skiing and happened to have yes. Rhaegar with you? We were doing both, but he was young, so we weren't, uh, we weren't, Ken was skiing with Rhaegar because I am a mediocre skier at best, and that's giving myself a lot of credit, so Ken made sure that Rhaegar wasn't actually pulling, he was a little too young to do any serious weight work, uh, but he was conditioned for it, and he, he, Ken can keep a fast enough speed that there was no way Rhaegar was going to pull him, but we did a lot of ski joring, and we had such a good time, we didn't see anyone else actually ski joring uh but we did see a lot of other dogs um, we had a beautiful time we, we've done um several ski joring vacations across countries where else have you ski joring um west virginia i think you have as well mm -hmm. i think actually we we're like year a year apart i don't even know if we had met when when i had done that trip um and you well you know that west virginia a lot of people don't know about the beautiful country that's there. And there's a lot of groomed and a lot of backcountry skiing. Mm -hmm. I'm better at backcountry skiing because I can't go as fast and I'm not as afraid, which sounds kind of not right, but I love it. And now I ski with Rhaegar because he's gentle with me and Brendan is too fast and I feel like I don't have any control. So Ken skis with Brendan. <laughs> he's just a better skier. That's, that's how I would describe my skiing skills too. You know, kind of, uh, I'm always living a little bit dangerously when I'm on my cross country skis. So I too like backcountry skiing with the dogs. This last year, uh, we went out to Colorado and it was incredible. I love going out there with the dogs, but one of the cross country trails that we went on was probably a little bit more advanced than my skill level <laughs> and we came up to I mean okay so first of all let me preface this with, <laughs> with all around 360 degree views of mountains it was it had just snowed so fresh snow fresh they freshly groomed it oh. I mean it was incredible there was no one else out on the trail so perfect but you know the dogs were amped up because it was beautiful outside <laughs> and we're coming around this one turn and Lennon got going so fast I thought I was gonna die I, he, he was an <laughs> angel I mean he stayed on the trail and, and ran and slowed down when I asked him to but I it's one of those things where your adrenaline is is going so high that on the inside you're screaming but on the outside nothing's happening and we get to the bottom of the hill and Tyler's like are you okay I was like why does my face tell you something different <laughs> I was like, that might have been a little fast for me. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I, I sometimes bail in those scenarios. <laughs> I sometimes basically just sit down. <laughs> Although, Hannah, you're calling us brave, but you go out with a big team. Right? I think I'd be afraid on a rig. Yeah. I've never gone out with more than three dogs. And oh, it was on a bike yeah. with well-trained dogs I knew. Yeah, Rigs are scary. Rig oh well it depends on what kind of rig i guess but rigs feels a lot safer than biking does it <laughs> that's yeah. shocking i don't yeah <laughs> yeah i do i ski touring if i was a better skier i think if i skied more often 
it would come. I yeah. now own my own cross country skis because, well, we're in Iowa and there's snow. Yeah. And I did ski tour quite a bit this winter with Rhaegar because he doesn't like to pull. So it was yeah, I've never been me. skiing and I don't plan <laughs> to try skiing with a dog ever. Well, <laughs> Hannah, if you ever did ski with a dog, I definitely would recommend skiing by yourself first. Right. <laughs> yeah. Get those human skills before we attach a dog. Although exactly. I'm saying yeah. this and my human skills are not all that great. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. learned in New Hampshire. So, but that was pre-dogs. Yeah. And so I actually really love the trail system in uh, like out near North Conway and mm -hmm. in the Whites, but I have no idea if they do or do not allow dogs. Yeah. I, I don't know because that was pre-dogs. Yeah. BD. <laughs> a, a life that you uh, probably don't remember all that well. Well, and it was also several states ago. So <laughs> it's like each chapter, you just, you know, growing yeah. and doing new things. So until next time. Have fun chasing tails on the trails.